Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. Christian, it's so impressive to see you recite this opening back to me as we sit across from each other. <laughs> oh, at the end, I just started doing la-la-la-la. <laughs> I mean, you say your own name enough. I, I understand that you might have not wanted to repeat it, but... We are back. It's only been a couple of days for us. It's been longer for you, dear listeners, but we are we are recording rather quickly after our first episode as we continue on in our Viola Davis blend of the month. We're here to talk about another of her films. And Christian, it's still extremely hot in the great city of Los Angeles, and you and I are dealing with it the best way we can, sitting in a room that is uh, with a closed door. And actually, the window might be open. Nope, it's closed. It. The window, okay, the window's, it's going to be hot once again, Christian. I'm going to sweat, and it's going to be a good time as we talk about a movie, so... Bro, you sweat the much last time we recorded. I did. This is very true. I, I I don't mean to put this kind of negative image in your head, listeners. I like to think that you, you imagine Christian and myself dressed in, in maybe suits, sitting across from one another, sipping on, on fine liquors. That's not how they see us. You know how they see us? Films. How, do they, how do they see us, Christian? I am mounted on white horse, my long hair flowing in the wind, and four swords at my disposal. And you're like the... <laughs> you know Yeah, that? what am I like, Christian? <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> Your weird fantasy. You know the, 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 the little dude that says if you can cross the bridge or not? I'm like a troll? Like a bridge <laughs> troll? Answer my riddles three to cross this bridge? Yeah. Good <laughs> Christian. If any listeners think of us like that, I would actually submit them to a psychiatric evaluation. Uh, not because you don't deserve to be seen so majestically, nor that I don't deserve to be seen so ignominiously, but if you're thinking about that outside of Christian's head, I would be concerned. Either way, we're just two dudes sitting here in t-shirts and talking about a movie, which, uh, Christian, I will allow you to intro, not that our the goofiest intro to this podcast is over. It's your turn to guide us through a month here. You were the one who chose Viola Davis as the subject of our September blend of the month. So go ahead and intro the movie for the day and the maybe obvious reason as to why you chose. So this is 2016's Fences. It is the, it's based on the August Wilson play and August Wilson is the credited screenwriter who apparently wrote a draft of this around 2005 which was expanded on by Tony Kushner, whom we know as either the writer of Angels for America or the um, co-writer, uh, no, no, the writer of Lincoln, the writer of the adaptation of West Side Story we got last year, yes. co-writing The Fablemans with Steven Spielberg. So very famous dude. And uh, it's directed by Denzel Washington, his third directorial effort. It stars him and Viola Davis, and the story is very much so about Troy... Denzel Washington's character, he is a father who, he's not just a father, he, like, the the biggest, I mean, accomplishment he thinks he's made in his life is defeating death in a wrestling match, and also being able to be the first African-American truck driver of a trash truck, right? Right. Of a garbage collection truck. Yes. And therefore, he has not held an easy life. Viola Davis plays Rose, his wife, who... It, it's not difficult, as we see, being the wife of this man. I mean, it's not easy. It is very not easy to be the wife of this man. <laughs> uh, and 
it's kind of his relationship to his family that that guides the story forward the conflicts between various different members and also their friendships and um what it means and takes to succeed despite all the challenges that are being presented to you is there anything that i'm missing I mean, the only thing majorly to set up for folks who haven't seen it is, of course, being adapted from a play. There's a relatively small cast. And the other major characters are other family members for this, for the Maxon family. So there's Troy's two sons, Lyons and Corey. Corey, his son with Rose, Lyons from a previous relationship, and his handicapped brother as well, Gabriel, who all come in and out of the family's life. Corey still lives at home. Of course, he's, he's a high school student. And so uh, they, they spur the drama on throughout the story. Now, I chose this because it is Viola Davis's third Academy Award nomination, and she won for this for Best Supporting Actress. And this was also a play that she did when it had its Broadway run, which I think won her Best Lead Actress in a play. Um, let's, yeah, let's double check. I this, believe. A, a lot of the... Uh, of similar players from the revival on Broadway that happened in 2010. Denzel and Viola acted in it, of course, and both did win Tonys for their leading performances, yes. So maybe a little bit of category fraud from the Academy as she was submitted as a supporting actor, of course, but she would go on to win that award as well. So kind of a funny situation, winning for leading and supporting for the same role in different mediums. Uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, who plays bon Jim Bono, I think is his name, but Bono for sure, uh, the friend of Troy, was also in the, the original Broadway production, was nominated for that, but not for the film. What is your familiarity with August Wilson? So, I I really don't have familiar with him, outside of knowing who he is. Well, you've we, seen... I have seen Ma Rainey's Black yeah. Bottom, not on stage, at the, the movie, of course, watched it during, uh, you know, Catch Up for the Year in 2019, and, or was it... 2020, 2020, 2020 yes, yeah. uh, and, and for the Oscar run that it was making, and I was a huge fan of that movie. I, I thought that was a very good adaptation, and you definitely get the appeal uh, of August Wilson and the way that he brings the black experience to the stage and, and now to the screen. So I was definitely excited to watch Fences because although I had I've been in the been into the Oscars for a long time, this is one of those that I just didn't see that particular Oscar year. I, um, was sort of in, on my on my way up in terms of getting caught up with the Oscars before the ceremony as opposed to after it. <laughs> so did you catch this when it came out, Christian, back in 2016? I didn't catch it when it came out. I definitely, it definitely had to have been afterward for me. August Wilson, I read, I had to read uh, Joe Turner's Come and Gone, which was one of his other plays for a playwriting class I took. That being said, um, I'm definitely not familiar with all 10 of his very famous plays set in Pittsburgh. So it's very much, you know, a performance-centric movie. And I want to dive into the film now, unless there's anything else that you want to, that you think is necessary to, to know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Christian, I told you I had a comment to make before we started this, this review. I'll, we're not really going to spend too much time talking about Denzel's career as a director. Obviously, we'll talk about his direction, but 
This is, of course, his third movie. Remember he made his fourth movie? It came out in 2021. Journal, Journal for, Jordan. for Jordan. Yeah. I already forgot that movie existed. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Has anybody seen a Journal for Jordan? I think it was a bomb, but also it like it's unfair to say that because it came out end of 2021. Right. When it, Omicron was starting to surge in the States and fewer and fewer people were going to the movies unless they were seeing no Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you look on Letterboxd, that movie has just over 2,000 people who've seen it. Star, it stars Michael B. Jordan, directed by Denzel Washington, and barely 2,000 people have logged on Letterboxd. I think that was much more a victim of its time. Than... It absolutely was. And also, the trailer didn't help it. It made it look like just a giant melodrama. And maybe it's a wonderful movie, which I is not on my top 500 movies to catch up with. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. So just uh, wanted to shout Denzel that out. Denzel Washington also directed a good episode of Grey's Anatomy. There you go. Shout out to Denzel, working with working with Shonda there. So I guess the only other thing that I would mention about this, do you want to talk about the Oscars and, of this year, or do you want to maybe save that for the end as we get to Viola, her competition? La La Land v. No, this this wasn't La La Land. That, that, was yes, it yes, was the La La, La, La Land, Land v. and Moonlight Year. Year. So one of the more memorable Oscar ceremonies of recent memory for the famous mix-up. It's not this year's Oscars. This was one of the more memorable ones I mean, of recent. <laughs> I, would, I would call it infamous <laughs> or notorious. But an interesting Best Picture lineup. There's some movies that definitely have not gone on to be a part of the popular consciousness. If you look at Best Picture, of course, Moonlight, La La Land, and Fences. But also Arrival, great Best Picture nominee. Hacksaw Ridge, which is, is good, uh, in my opinion. I know others didn't like it. Hell or High Water, which is great, uh, I think. But then Hidden Figures, another like good movie, but maybe not best picture material. Lion, you ever see Lion, Christian, starring Dev Patel and Nicole Kidman? No. <laughs> I don't think many people did. And I'm now looking back, it's one of those things where you're like, how did this movie get nominated for best picture? Uh, then Manchester by the Sea, which I know you are an enormous I fan of. I love that. And that movie is heartbreaking, but also very, very good. So, and... Not the worst lineup of Best Picture okay, let's, nominees let's, here. Let, sure. let, let's calm down. I don't like it when people say not the worst or the best. It's it if all of them are I'm doing far from calm. If all of them are doing what they set out to do, then it's a successful year. Like let's. <laughs> it, it, That's not it, how this works. Well, I, I I don't know. It's like some people hate the Oscars here. Even I recently heard a podcast when they're like, "Yeah, the four performers that we love won." in their respective acting categories and the director we love won in best directing but best picture went to the wrong person so i hate this oscars year and i go well you need to calm down sir well i mean that's totally fair if you hate the movie that won best picture <laughs> all right, all right in all terms right. of in terms of viola and her competition do you want to talk about that now or as we get into the review i don't even remember who her comp oh wait I, octavia spencer was one of them yes octavia spencer her Obviously, in a funny way, they previously competed in this category for the help, which Octavia they Spencer... They didn't compete. No, made. she was up for the for lead. Viola Davis was up for lead for that one, and Octavia Spencer was up for supporting. Really? Yeah. No. Well, Octavia Spencer then. Uh, Nicole Kidman, who I mentioned from Lion. Naomi Harris from Moonlight. And Michelle Williams from Manchester by the Sea. So, uh, again, I don't remember too much about Lion or Hidden Figures, but pretty solid lineup and, and in terms of the performers here. Just people that are pretty much well-liked and, and appreciated, and obviously good performances here. Although, I, I will say, just kind of a spoiler alert, I have no problems with Viola winning uh, with this particular lineup. So we'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Let's get into your opening question, sir. Now, we have 
visited two films from Viola Davis's filmography. Both have been adapted from a play. I wanted to just straight up ask you, as we look at this as an August Wilson adaptation, does it extend from the stage to fill the big screen, or is that where its fault lies? You know, one thing we did discuss last week, talking about doubt, is some of the ways that they did, uh, whether it was John Patrick Shanley as the director, Roger Deakins as a cinematographer, they, you know, they did do their best to make it feel more cinematic, although so much of the drama takes place in this small parish and school. And in the same way, Fences is almost entirely set at the Maxon family home. And you can, you can make great cinema set in one location, of course. And I, I was watching to see how Denzel would set this film apart from the stage uh, apart from its origins on the stage, and, and how would he introduce sort of more cinematic or filmic elements to enliven the drama and enliven the proceedings. And I will say, I, I think this is a very good movie for a variety of reasons, but the major ding against it is it doesn't always get away from its origins as a play. And there are long stretches of time where it is people talking in the same spot <laughs> for... 10, 15 minutes before we go to the next scene. And depending on who you are, that can be stirring, even thrilling, just the, the drama at play. And the, some of the best moments in this movie come from the acting. The actors here are all tremendous. But I will say that that was the one ding I had against it. I don't think he does enough to really set it apart and help it break away from its staginess, I will say. I think I, I can understand that complaint, and I think that it would be valid if almost any other performer besides Denzel Washington were the one speaking to the sun and to the devil. <laughs> That's very true. I mean... <laughs> this, I have not... I, I am not, like, a, a... I'm not a hardcore everything Denzel Washington does to me is astounding, despite the fact that I do think he's just one of the great actors we have. That being said, this this is in the running for one of my favorite performances of his. Oh my goodness, just not the inflection, how he, he's not, it, it's not just the authority with which he commands the screen, and it's not just how he's able to speak to anyone, three people at a time, two people at a time, and still come out almost the victor. But it, it, it's just the, the, the inflection, how he goes from, you know, being happy to being drunk to being upset to whisper. The, the, the transitions in it feel very natural. And it, all are incredibly showy and performative without going so far as to be melodramatic or, or, or um, what's the, too, too outlandish. It, it, it's kind of incredible. I mean, we talked about how Viola Davis is one of the best actors working. Denzel Washington might be one of the greatest actors of all time, just across mediums and uh, in terms of the sheer body of work that he's provided. I mean, again, if there's a different actor at the center of the screen, it's not like it necessarily sinks the movie. No, it actually does sink the movie, I think. <laughs> I mean, depending on who it is, of course. If but... it's someone who's unfamiliar with how to act for a screener stage, this, this movie flops but i mean yeah denzel it, it, he's incredible here as well he he and viola go toe to toe throughout the movie of course sometimes happily and, and sometimes not so happily 
and they are an incredible pair, and, and it, their performances are worth the price of admission here. And something that surprised me is I mentioned that Doubt made, I think it was $50 million when it came out, and I was like, oh man, the, the good old days of the adult drama, you know? And of course, this movie came out in 2016. The MCU is in full swing, the DCEU is trying, and <laughs> Fast and Furious is roaring across movie screens. All the same complaints we have about movies but this movie made $64 million at the box office. It makes even more money. And I think that is partially a testament to Denzel Washington and his movie stardom. But also just people know that those, that those two performers were obviously going to be worth the cost of the ticket. <laughs> and they certainly uh, deserve those Oscar nominations and wins and are just an incredible pair to watch. I mean... What was it, last year, the only movie that got close to or, or even past the $15 million mark that was an adult drama was, I think, House of Gucci. And so it's, it's it, I, um, yes, this is, let, let's talk about, not, not just that, the, the performers. And let's talk about Viola V. Denzel. Because very many of these are them against each other. And that's quite a fight. That is quite a fight because they are in a marriage where Troy has not been the most faithful husband. And not only that, um, Troy is, is, treats their son differently than she does and has had a, relate, a relationship before her where he has a son from that marriage whom he is not a fan of, whom Viola Davis is a fan of. And he is frequently getting drunk and also he had a baseball career that never took off. Right, he was in the. I, I, I don't, obviously it's a historical term. Don't know. If, <laughs> I still want to say it, but in the uh, the Negro leagues for in baseball before Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, and he talks at length about how he was a better player than Jackie Robinson ever was, and he hit X amount of home runs, and you know he had all these accomplishments in baseball, and he, and he could be playing right now if they would let him, and. and he talks a lot about his relationship to baseball and his athletic career, and is very angry. He I would say he puffs himself up right. constantly, and is angry that he never got his shot, which I think undergirds a lot of his emotions, and especially the way he treats Corey, his his son. And the the thing that we we get to understand from this, okay, this is a dialogue driven movie. This is very much so a dialogue-driven movie, and it's not just because it's from a play. August Wilson delivers high-octane dialogue. I, I joked with, um, yeah, I joked with my wife uh, when I was less than half an hour in, about twenty some minutes, that Denzel had probably already spoken a thousand words. <laughs> he comes in hot at the beginning of this movie, and has got multiple stories that he's telling, and everything is full of detail, and and the room lets him go, you know, as he spins these yarns and. He is, it's a ton of dialogue, like you're saying. Which is, which is interesting for a couple of things, because as he speaks, we, we get to know two things. One, this is a man who has not been treated kindly by the world. You know, this is a man who um, has definitely been a victim time and time again of the systematic effects of racism. This is a man who was um, treated very badly by his father, this is a man who has been in and out of prison, and it's just like him trying to do the best that he can. And yet, this is also a man who is not a good father, who is not a good husband, who um, is reminiscent to a life that he uh, was never able to have and therefore kind of lashes out. 
and is toxic to varying degrees. And we've got, we've got Rose. We've got Rose who very much so is trying to be a wife who says that we know when she took those vows, she was there for him to be complete with him who loves him and has to put up with him time and time and time again. And, and she's really, as we get to know her in this movie, just an exceptional person. Yes. We see the ways that she cares for Troy's brother Gabriel, who was wounded fighting in World War II and is now uh, uh, mentally handicapped. We see the way that she loves Corey, her only son, and even welcomes Lyons, her you know, stepson, you know, welcomes him as, as a full son in the family. And how she is so kind and generous with the people around her, even with Troy, when he may not deserve it. She'll push back against him and stand up to him, but still treats him with love. And what's fascinating about their dynamic as it unfolds through the movie is how Wilson in his writing shows the slow decline of her willingness <laughs> to put up with Troy, unfortunately, and as their bonds are tested by the things that happen throughout the movie. And sometimes it's things out of their control, but often it's things that Troy has done. And from the, I mean, from the opening scene, they're, they're setting things up that pay off later in the story. And it's just a very, uh, just an incredible piece of writing uh, before we even get, get to the performers, obviously. Um, and when you have people as strong as, as Denzel Washington and Viola Davis to bring it to life, it just, it's, yeah, it's incredible to watch. So you also, as, as you're looking at the relationship between the two of them, she genuinely has a love for him, but yet through every embrace, I kind of found myself cringing, like, this is not a great dude. And all the times that he'll, like, kiss her and she'll kiss back, sometimes reluctantly, sometimes, like, full-fledged, and all, all of the hard work that she's putting in there, all of the composure that she keeps, despite when she's a, their son, Corey, wants to sign up to play college football, and that'll be his ticket to going to college, and yet his father's adamant adamantly against that and the way that she goes about trying to appease both of them trying to make both of them see eye to eye she's just putting in so much it's like she's taken all of the burdens of troy onto herself alongside her own burdens whereas troy doesn't look like he's taken on any of her burdens on himself yeah troy has this has this very i guess i would say traditional view of of men like male and female relationships in the home and feels in, in some respects that it, it's his job to provide for the family, but that's about it. And he has a very hard conversation with Corey later on in, in the movie where Corey asks him this very vulnerable question uh, that for any, any son to ask their father especially, let alone just man to man. But, you know, Corey is at a formative stage in his life. He's 17 years old. He's trying to figure out if he's going to be able to go to college. And he ask his father point blank, do you like me? And in that moment, what your heart is screaming out, especially for those of us watching in 2022, whereas Wilson is writing this character in the 50s, so of course a different time, different place, but your heart's screaming out to say, well, of course, son, I love you. Of course I like you. I'm proud of you. I just need you to do this, that, and this, the other thing. And of course, Troy's answer is basically like, how dare you ask me if I like you? You're fed. You have a roof over your head, clothes on your back. I don't have to like you. I don't have to like you. Yeah. And we, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking to see that. And 
we, we do see the ways that Troy's self-conception of who he, not only who he is, but what a man ought to be, and but, but let's Rose's perspective say, just runs into each other throughout we, the movie. We see that in how loud and boisterous Troy is. We see that in how he barely ever pauses for breath. Yes. With, with Viola, we see her love. I've always thought that a bunch of Viola's acting comes not just from her voice, which I love, but also from her eyes. The way that her eye, her stare changes. And, and when she looks at Troy with affection, you can tell. And yet when he delivers her some breaking news, her stare gradually weakens. But in, in, in even all of that, you've got these two... It's almost like this, this film can't contain the two of them who are going off the rails in the best way possible. And the rest of this cast is incredible. Also, I mean, uh, is it, it? it's Bono. Bono as the friend who is con playing off of Troy and being like that voice that was with him before even Rose knew him, or his son Lyons who is there to, to just kind of, who goes off on his own path and is constantly needing to face him saying i am a man i am not the type of man that you thought i was going to be right lions is trying to make it as a musician and we we very there it's not hinted that troy disapproves it's flat out said <laughs> that troy disapproves of this choice he wants lions to get an honest job and work like he did to support his family and lions is in his mid-30s now and still hasn't quite settled down and when we see troy's feelings about that and of course that affects how he treats Corey, who wants to try to make it and play college athletics to go to college and of course get a career from there but of, Tro of course Troy had this perspective as absolutely no you need to work and none of these performers ever back down when they speak with each other none of them is trying to let the other win except for Corey and I think that's very important because Corey is trying to again he, he's the one most outwardly saying my path in life is different from what my father wants of me. So, um, looking at that and looking forward, did you, how did you feel about the tensions that, that drive this story forward? It has plot, but plot isn't the motivating factor. No, no, yeah, this, I mean, this... The, the story sort of follows the Maxon family primarily over what feels like a course of a few months, and then, then there's... A couple year jump. There's a little bit of a year jump for the final scene of the film. And, uh, yeah, obviously not a very plot-driven story, but with something like this, you don't really need one. When, when Wilson has developed these fully realized and multi-layered and, and textured characters, this is... Ask your question again, because I want to answer what you actually said. <laughs> Well, how did you feel about the tensions? The tension, yes, thank film? you. The tension, yeah. So, in that, I'm kind of glad that there's not a lot of ticking time bombs necessarily. For example, there there is a scene where uh, Bono is is speaking with Troy, and Troy uh, he he basically tells Troy, "You need to tell Rose about this this you know this decision you've made, this this choice you've made." And there's no waiting. The the very next thing that happens after Bono leaves is Troy goes inside to talk to Rose and <laughs> tell her this game-changing news. And 
there's not a lot of, like I said, moments where you're really waiting on beta breath, oh no, is this person going to say that? All of the tension is on the surface. And you, you really start to understand the dynamics that this family has together. And the drama comes from each other's differing opinions about, not just about each other, but about the ways they relate to one another. Obviously, Troy relates to his brother one way, Rose relates another, but Troy has an opinion on how Rose relates to Gabriel. And those different dynamics are what provides the dramatic tension for the story. And again, there's so many moments that just punch you in the gut <laughs> throughout this. Not just the, the scene with Corey where he says, do you like me? But, and these other moments, especially as we get deeper into the story uh, in terms of seeing what kind of decisions Troy makes, how it affects Rose, and her choices to react from there. Um, it, yeah, I mean, the, the tension here is very, very human, and it's rooted in these people and their connections and their emotions. It's it's very, it, it, it's rich. It feels like there's a lot under the surface. Yes, and going slightly further, I mean, this tension does not work if the performers are not there for it. Oh, absolutely not. But you, you need people to not to, to sell these dynamics that, that Wilson is setting up. Outside of that, though, um, I, I, I wanted to point towards something else. The directing of this. Because we have talked about how uh, the, the main criticism against this film, does it fill the screen? I believe that it does. Now, look, first of all, I think that this film kind of looks beautiful. I think that the cinematography is perfectly well done we're not in the same part of the house we do go in we go out we see the neighborhood and yet we see that throughout this neighborhood we're centered solely on this house and the reason why i say that is because by showing us the rest of the neighborhood how it's a primarily black neighborhood all of these people who walk around who at times are just staring at their house we don't know what they are going through and so we are centered in on this family, but it's one family of many that has been affected. There's so many moments where I was watching this movie, and I'm like, man, these people are just having this conversation in the backyard. <laughs> like, if the neighbors are even sitting close to their windows, they're going to hear this whole thing. Yeah, there, there is all these, these hints uh, of what else is going on in the neighborhood, these, these other people who exist outside of the Maxon family. Uh, you're right, right there. Uh, the cinematographer here I want to I mention is Charlotte Bruce Christensen. Uh, she actually... She's uh, made quite a few Hollywood movies at this point. Worked on A Quiet Place, which is maybe where most people would know her from um, after Fences. But I, I will say, I think there are, there are definitely ways where she and Washington try to liven up the proceedings, whether it's slowly swiveling the camera around the people who are talking, trying to, trying to set up some nice compositions as well in the house, you know, often framing Troy... Uh, in, in doorways or, or looking from one room of the house into the other to develop uh, develop some you know some um, different planes uh, of, of perspective but aside from a few touches like a montage that comes in later in the movie I, I think a lot of what you're going for here is the acting and the writing uh, in terms of this movie looking good, it's not that I don't think it looks good, uh, or that the actual images on the screen are, are ugly to look at. It's just that for a lot of plays which are primarily set in one location, or a multi, you know, multi-roomed location, that's how the story is structured and set up. You have an unchanging set or a slightly changing set 
for characters to to talk in front of for you know an hour and a half to three hours, and that's the trouble of adapting these types of stories into a movie. And I and I feel like there's just not enough dynamism in the camera work to really draw you in from a visual on a visual level. Um, I think the even the editing and how they pace the scenes is done well. It's just that the actual camera work is is solid, but it's not what you're going to see the movie for. It's not a major compliment to the proceedings. But it is one that knows how to follow these people. And it is one that knows how to push in on their faces. And I sure. do... No, but I, I think that's more than just a sure. I think that's like a... Given this source material, given how this is done, it's... If they know that the strength of putting this play to the screen is going to be how these performers are saying these words, that being able to follow them with a the camera and push it on their faces and zoom in and zoom out and how to frame them is important. I mean, absolutely, but I mean, even the way that you describe it, it's it's like, hey, they're zooming in, they're zooming out. Like, there's an element to it where they're, they're doing everything they can at certain times to <laughs> remind us, like, this is a movie, this is a movie. You know, it's not, it's not just in the cutting. And, that is something that I thought about, too, is that obviously one major difference of a movie compared to a play is in a movie you can't cut and you can see other people's perspectives, whereas in a play you have everybody's perspective all at once. And I feel like fences on stage would be electrifying, uh, especially if you have performers like Washington and Davis who are going toe-to-toe -to -toe with each other. Um, or even someone like Stephen McKinley Henderson, who his warmth radiates off the screen. I can't imagine what that force is like in real life. Um, but there, there is something you know exciting about that of being able to cut to a person's reaction, show somebody else's face, and, and see the way that they will act for the camera as opposed to acting on stage. They can introduce more subtlety to the performance, of course. But there are obviously good changes made in 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 making the movie, and obviously Washington does a very good job directing this, especially directing his actors. There's not a moment in this movie when it comes to the acting where you feel like, ah, it feels like it was <laughs> modulated poorly, or, yeah, I would have made a smaller or a bigger choice here. But, again, it's just not a very, it's not the most visually exciting and delighting film. And sure, there's nice moments where they're capturing the right person's perspective or drifting off of Troy while he talks and seeing how other people think. But, again, it, it's just, if you're grading this out for me, it's like this is, this is the average portion of the film whereas everything I, else is good to great I, I don't know I, I always struggle when people say it's not cinematic enough but that's neither here nor there well I mean I, it's all about I mean then we get into like what is cinematic because you can have quiet stirring cinema? dramas no no that, no 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 five star films and so we don't need to suss that out I'm, I'm just saying this particular edition sure, sure, didn't sure. work for me alright uh, anything else you want to bring up uh, I'm curious your thoughts on just some of the other minor performances um, in terms of, the, especially the younger actors here with Jovan Adepo playing Corey and Sania Sidney playing uh, a, a young girl who comes into uh, the proceedings later on in the movie who a lot of people will recognize from King Richard, which came last year. She was Venus Williams. She's actually been in quite a few movies at this point in her nascent career, but any thoughts on, on like any of those other supporting characters? We, we did talk about Washington, Davis, Henderson. So Russell Hornsby as well plays Lyons, the older son, and Mike Kelty Williamson is Gabriel. Any, other, any of those supporting characters stand out to you? Honestly, Russell Hornsby is Lyons. Every time Russell Hornsby was on screen, it, it's a 
he's like a bundle of joy that refuses to be snuffed out by Troy. Despite Troy's best efforts. <laughs> Despite Troy's best... There's like one time where we see him get upset, and that's when he has to borrow $10 near the beginning of the film. And he says, don't you dare talk to me about what a man is supposed to do because you weren't there in my childhood. And in, in not just going toe-to-toe with Troy, and in not just that, but there's there, there's a positivity and almost like a, a, a desire to... All of these people are trying their best to survive within or um, subvert the system. And he's like, I don't need to work the same type of job everyone else is working. That introduces a different level to this. All of these characters are introducing so many different levels to the system. And loved his... Uh, amongst the supporting performances, I loved his the most. Yeah, Hornsby is, I, I mean, I would say a lesser known actor. I, I don't think I was, he wasn't a name where I, I saw him on screen and I said, oh, it's Russell Hornsby. <laughs> I had to look it up. But very capable, of course, holding his own across from across from Washington. I think not only is Lyons holding his own against Troy, but Hornsby with Washington. They're, they're also, they have good chemistry as uh, that father and adult son dynamic and I think that's what's interesting about the two is that you get the sense that Lyons has had 30 plus years uh, of dealing with Troy not only or I guess since he was not there during his childhood he he grew up for a long time without him and and when Troy came back into his life Lyons had been used uh, to his absence and now is, is able to deal with his disappointment much more easily especially when he knows that Rose his father's wife is very supportive of him and, and is loving towards him. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I agree. Hornsby is, is very good here. He's someone who I hope to see more of in the future. Obviously, this came out six years ago already, but I uh, definitely would love to see him start popping up more and I'll have to watch for him in other projects. Well, with that, that's, that's the review. <laughs> that's the review. Shout out to Viola Davis winning that Oscar. Very, very well-deserved from, from my perspective. We've done Doubt. We've done Fences. And next week, the, the movie that I've chosen is Widows, 2018, uh, directed by Steve McQueen. We This one is not available to stream anywhere, so I will be checking it out from the local library. Y'all should go and you know check out your local libraries. But post that, we're going to do a... We will review The Woman King and then give our top five Viola Davis performances. That's right. I am very excited for The Woman King, as I said earlier in this blend of the month, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. But I got to say, I might be even a little more excited for Widows because I'm a fan of the Steve McQueen films that I have seen, and I missed this one when it came out, although I did hear good things. So definitely excited to see it. I will say, Christian, a little bit disappointed it's not adapted from a play like the other movies we've covered just this blend of the month, but it is adapted from a television series, so... At least it's still an adaptation. <laughs> I gotta keep that trend going. And with that, that is our show. Uh, so thank you to Christian for fitting in what's coming up next already, because normally I have to interrupt the outro to ask him what's coming next. So I'm glad we got that covered. But if you have reached this point in the episode, we, of course, thank you so much for your support. It, it is very uh, nice to know, of course, that as we record these shows and, and put them out into the world, that there is a group of you out there who are listening and following along with us. So we do thank you for the support. And hey, there are a few things you can do to continue to support the show here. Number one, go ahead and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please do leave a rating or a review if applicable. Helps us reach new listeners and grow on those platforms. And it warms my little heart to see those five-star reviews come in. So thanks for those who have done so already. But please, if you have not, head out and leave a review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. 
You can also uh, send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We do love to get listener feedback. Shout it out regularly on the show. Have you used listener ideas for blends of the month or, or movies that we cover in blend or on a, a another bonus episode, kind of like our upcoming top five Viola Davis performances. So we'd sincerely love to know your favorite Viola Davis performances. And we'll be shouting out some of those on the episode when it comes later this month. So we'd love to know what your favorite of hers is. Maybe a new movie you've watched of hers because we're doing some Viola Davis homework as well. Or uh, your thoughts on what you'd like to see us cover throughout the rest of the year. We'd love to know that. So again, cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter and Christian on Instagram. And the both of us are on Letterboxd, where we're regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. We both recently logged, because I, I finally caught up with this, 3,000 Years of Longing, which we both saw in theaters. And I think we were two of the eight people who saw that movie, <laughs> Christian. So. It's done very poorly. Good, good it's done very, very poorly. I, I know you didn't like it as much as I did, but I'm sad about that. Because it's, it's never fun to see directors you like make original stories that, I guess that's actually not even original. It's adapted from a short story. But it's never fun to see directors you like put work out in the world that Bombs. flops. <laughs> so if you have the ability to do so, go check out 3,000 Years of Longing. But, Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? I need to go to the gym, but I don't want to. Well, Christian, just just don't. Just don't do it. You don't have to. You can go take a baseball bat and swing at the ball you've hung from the tree out in the backyard and just get some reps in that way. You can be just like Troy Maxson. I think Jesus once said, get behind me, Satan. And are you... You're Satan. Ah, okay, very good. And until next time, folks, he's Christian, I'm Satan, and this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.